Hi, everybody. This is episode one of Trade Secrets, my podcast. And today our guest is John Root, the regional sales manager from DPA Microphones. A shot of ostensibly the podcast. Do you have what you need? As they step yeah. back. So, are you get uh, talk for a second? Uh, I'm, I'm talking. Looking, I'm looking at the level. Okay, okay. how are we doing? We're good. So, thank you so much for coming, being on the hot seat. Oh, I'm I'm um, not so sure how excited I am about being in the hot <laughs> no, seat. No, no, it's going to be great. It's going to be okay. Yeah, I want to I want to really know. I you know the people that are listening. How do you go? You know, how do you end up selling microphones? Wow. Or, or a, working for a, a microphone developer? Um, well, it started. I was on the 405 freeway with a sign. Okay. Right, and yeah. they drove by and they said we're going to hire him. Okay, I like yeah, it. That, that worked. But the truth is, yeah. the real truth is, yeah. is, is that I've been involved with audio since uh, high school. We, are you a musician? High. I play guitar. You do? Yeah. Are you any good? No. Oh, um, okay. That's why I sell microphones. All right, all right. Um, and I, I was in a band for a short period of time until they uh, walked up to me and they said, hey, you know, we'd really like to know if you'd handle the gear. And they turned you into the roadie? They turned me into the roadie, yeah. Oh, dude, yeah. that's so, such a dream. Now this is getting a little better, I see. I think uh, John needs to yeah, I need, change I, the rail. Uh, okay, now I'm loosening yeah. up. Yeah. So anyways, so, cheers. cheers. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we need to video these things, too. <laughs> <laughs> we taking a picture of this. Oh, you are? Okay, good. So, so um, in junior high school, my first band, actually, some of the people that I grew up with here in the San Fernando Valley ended was up Was Ella Sorkin in your band? Ella Sorkin was not in my oh, band, but I, I knew him. Ella Sorkin. I love him. But I grew up with a lot of the guys that ended up being in Toto. So Jeff Beccaro, oh, Mike Beccaro, yeah. Steve Beccaro were all different Little Stevie Lukather. Stevie Lukather. Who was the youngest, I, I believe. Yes, yeah. yeah. And Joey Brassler. So just oh, a number nice. of people. So, um, not a huge Toto fan. No? With respect to your musicianship, yeah. but not a go-to for me. I mean, some of the hits I dig, but not. no one gives a shit about what well, I like Well, let's interview musically. you, okay? So no, what, what is your favorite you. music? No, no, it's about <laughs> you. Oh, oh it's dude, about me. Deep. Wait, okay. It's about you. Oh, okay. Well, no, it's, it's about, about me. It's about our relationship as well. Okay. But, uh, so um, anyways, from that, I, I... But a major, major group of players. Yes. So I, after high school, I just got involved with music. I was running the second Guitar Center music store in San Francisco. Oh, back in the day. Oh. And I used to handle a lot of the musicians that would come into the store. Like from, you handled the music? Did well, they like that? <laughs> some of them, yes. Um, you handled of, their 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 purchases. Y yes. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> yes, their purchases is exactly what I handled. Yeah. But And uh, end, ended up having an opportunity to actually do what we called uh, almost like an artist relations type of. Uh, oh, like A and R, yeah. Yeah, but what we did was is I would actually go to the studios in the Bay Area, um, his master's wheels, for, oh, yeah. right? Um, what was it, the, uh, the Automat? Oh, what Automat. was it, Different Fur? Different Fur, yeah. exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark Needham, do you know Mark Needham? Um, probably bumped into him, but I don't know him off. From the, the Bay Area, the Bay Area. Um, you know, started out there, but he went to talk yeah. for another day, but a, a wonderful guy, talented yeah, well, guy. Yep, so I was able to go out and actually hang out with a lot fantasy. of different music. Fantasy? Yeah. Right, so I mean, my clients back then were the Jefferson Airplane yeah. and uh, Journey before they were 
this is actually getting better. Yes. Um, well, and we should be taking, who? yeah, these are the kinds of pictures Tom needs to get. By the way, the, you have great service here. You know, yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's amazing. Yeah, and fuck off. He's amazing. And fuck off to you, too. And Slancha. <laughs> So um, anyway, so I did a lot of work in the Bay Area at the time, and I just yeah, this is great. Um, and um, yeah, what other questions do you have for me as I sit well, in the Paula hot seat? <laughs> the hot seat. Well, it's really you know that's just a catchy term to get okay. people to tune into the podcast. Right. It's a friendly and welcoming, safe place I feel where that. you can where you can sort of just. Until things go south. <laughs> no, I think Maybe really. You need a studio, I think. I think, you know, I think really the, the purpose of this, I think, uh, or at least what I'm hoping, mm -hmm. is that the people that tune in to listen will learn about behind the scenes and how things work. Uh, you know, talking to a lot of people, people like you that have a background in audio and facilitate artists, mm -hmm. you know, all the people that help artists mm -hmm. get their music recorded, mm -hmm. et cetera. And so microphones are obviously a huge part of that. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, couldn't couldn't do it without them. You know what it's I mean? It's a so, very important start. Yeah, very important start. And just the sensitivity that people like you and people behind the scenes bring to that to those relationships mm -hmm. with the artist. You know, I mean, because we know artists are sensitive people, and we want and we don't want them to have to be worried about like, oh, the microphone. This, you know, you want them to create. You want to create. I mean, that my job obviously is create an environment where people can create and feel at ease. Mm -hmm. And you do the same thing. You go into the studios. Uh, you bring mics that they check out and say, okay, use this on a certain artist, give me some feedback, let me know what they think. So really for this mm -hmm. and what I want to do with it, Hot Seat again, just a catchy name, but what I want to do is just have people tell their stories because I think we were talking about the fact that when you like an artist, like say, I don't know, uh, you know Hendrix, right? Would pick an artist that meant something to you mm -hmm. and it was important to you or mm -hmm. formative for you, you want to know what their real background is and what their real struggles are. Like you want to know about like Dave Grohl not having enough money to buy gas mm -hmm. or not having you know enough money to buy food. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And see and hearing the story about your heroes, as it were, as real people, because I think that's what everybody relates to. It's like okay, well now I I can see myself as that person because I've been there too and I've had that struggle too or whatever it is. I've been broke. You know, whatever. I, I, I remind, saying that reminds me of a story. Uh, there was a band way back in the day, you might remember, um, called um, Quicksilver Messenger I Service. I love that band. Okay. See, that's so, kind of shit I like. Okay, so yeah. Cipollina's brother, um, which I want to say is John Cipollina, I believe, mm -hmm. his bass player, yeah. was the bass player for uh, Huey Lewis and the News. Yeah. So Who were called Clover. Remember Clover? Exactly. What? So in the early days oh. in San Francisco, here's a story about what people, when they go through their struggles and then they finally get there. I remember him coming into the store, into the Guitar Center store in Who, San Francisco. Huey or? The, the Chipolina, the bass player for Huey. Coming into the store and they had a gig that night at a little club in San Francisco and he needed a new set of, of uh, round round bass strings. All right. And literally he is pulling out of his pocket Aww. change. You know, throwing like quarters and nickels and dimes and pennies. And back then a set of strings were like 20 bucks, yeah, maybe yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And I think he had like $15.62. Right, right, right. Right, and you know, and all that. And he says, I need a set free. And I said, all right. And I knew the cost of the strings were about 10 bucks. I said, well, here, I'll tell you what. I'll sell you the strings 
for $12. Here you go. You keep some of your money. And he goes, well, you should come to the show tonight. And I said, what's the name of the band? And he goes, well, we used to be called Clover, but we're now Huey Lewis in the News. If you and I went to the show. And, and I remember Amazing. going, wow, these guys. And he ended up being a client for a long time. Oh, I love it. See, it's that act of kindness. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I think if you do, at least in my career, I found that if I'm in a place of trying to be of support and willing yeah. to give somebody yeah. something, yeah. and with no attachment at all, yeah. then you're doing, you're doing what's right. Well, least, I mean, yeah. it sounds corny, but I think that's what we all do every day. Yeah. Every person who's a roadie or every person right. who's setting up a stage, you know, all those thankless sorts of jobs that... Can't, the show can't happen mm -hmm. without those people. You know, I think that's so important to shine a light on those people. Um, one thing that's funny about the Clover thing, for, personally for me, was that so I would come out in high school. My brothers were working at the record plant. Mm -hmm. And I remember that originally in Clover, like the rest of the band, like gave Huey a hard time. Mm -hmm. You know, they weren't entirely like nice to him mm -hmm. or what they kind of downplayed his importance in the band. And then he went on to become the only one mm -hmm. that really had, that I'm aware of, that had lasting fame. Yep. You know, so I thought that was always such so, turnabout is fair play, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah, they he, were dicks, and right. he's like, okay, you guys suck, and now you became famous. Well, let's talk weird. about dicks for a second. <laughs> yeah, um, all right. All right. Um, Why not? Let's segue to that. All um, right. So, hey, I'm always game for that. Okay, well, um, <laughs> is this a PG rated? Um, <laughs> you signed your release, babe. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so I know you're supposed to be asking me questions, though, right? What is it really even me asking you questions? It's more or less Just, you... Telling me about your life, like where were you born? Los Angeles, here. Really? Yeah. Native Los Angelina. You're probably one of three. Uh, well, yes, <laughs> and yes, I'm one of three, and the other two, I don't know what happened to them. And, and what, mom and dad? What did uh, what did they do? Uh, my dad was owner of a very large audiovisual staging company here in Los Angeles. What a coincidence! How about that? So I grew up <laughs> around that. Oh, cool. Yeah. And Put you to work early. Very early. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, we grew the business from ten people to two hundred. I never knew this. Two hundred and fifty people. Is someone recording this? Yeah. Oh, we are right. Yeah. We it's right amazing. There. Yeah. Dude. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, and so um, uh, he, he had a very cool. successful career. What was the name of the company? It's called Audiovisual Headquarters, AVHQ. What a great, what a great thing. Yeah, yeah. And a time probably like this in the 70s? Oh, uh, yeah, it was in the 70s oh, and cool. 80s, and uh, we, we were ahead of is our time. Is your dad still with us? No, he passed away at oh. 88, but my mom is still here. Oh, she wow, good turns for you. 98 in July. Oh, my God, congratulations. Right. Dude. Yeah. You know, I used to tell my mom. She say, "I don't want to live to be a hundred. I'd like you do when you're 99." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, whoa. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, when you're, you know, she's she's 97. But I don't know. Yeah, you do when you're 97. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, um, congrats. What's, what's your mom's name? Harriet. Oh, that's pretty. Yeah. So she's originally yeah. from Omaha, Nebraska, and my dad oh. was from Chicago. Chi-Town. Chi-Town, right. yeah. So, uh, Did he say Davenport instead of couch? Yeah, it's kind of like that. People yeah. from Chicago, like yeah. drawer yeah. and mirror. But what's <laughs> interesting is, is that our family actually had one of the first pickle manufacturing plants here in Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah, I know. Wow. I know. It's going back. So I've gone from pickles to microphones. It's okay. an interesting concept. Uh, I have a pickle story. Round long. Round long, uh, right. Some taste good, This is a Sorry to flick you. This is a PG I think. Um, this gonna? isn't really that funny, but you want to hear a pickle story? Well, sure. Is that anything to do with the glass eye? No. Okay. It has to do with me trying to smuggle Crown Royal out during COVID when I was working. Okay. I didn't want to 
take my big bottle of Crown and walk out of the house to go to work in the morning with the Crown. So I went and got a pickle jar, an empty, clean pickle jar. And I, I poured like this much Crown in it and stuck it in my purse. And when I got it, to, when I was at work later that day, I went outside. I was at the smoking and tail and uh, the Goo Goo Dolls were working. Mm -hmm. And John came out and I had, I didn't even think about it. I had this pickle jar and I'm like pouring, you know, pouring drinks, making drinks out of this pickle jar. And he's like, why do you have a pickle jar? And I said, oh, I didn't want to bring the booze, blah, 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 blah. So six months later, I get a big half gallon of Crown and a jar of pickles. <laughs> and I had totally forgotten. I'm like, why is he giving me pickles? Mm. And he goes, well, don't you need a pickle jar to transport your hooch? And I was like, oh, oh my God. God. So silly. The pickles are in the fridge still. Okay. I do have a question, though, for you. Yeah. Okay. Did you know that yesterday was International Women's Day? You know, I did. And I think that my views on this are common knowledge in the trades, as you would say. I am certainly a supporter of women in mm -hmm. all occupations, but I'm an equal supporter of men because I'm all about the other 52 three percent of population right so i tend to shy i was honored at a thing called she rocks a couple mm -hmm. of years ago and that right. was great it was great to be acknowledged great mm -hmm. to be honored and and stuff like that i had terrible food poisoning that day but anyway um i don't tend to like women's groups and mm -hmm. i kind of get in trouble for it within the audio community because mm -hmm. they'll be like oh we want you to be on this all women's panel i'm like well that's kind of like you know i'm trying to encourage the girls that come and work in the studio to not think about their gender and to think about the craft and about learning the craft of engineering mm -hmm. and, you know, recording and to not focus on that because yeah. everybody's got hands and yeah, ears. But I guess where I'm going with that. Because women right? don't get paid enough to right. point that out. Oh, I agree. <laughs> I have daughter. I agree. But I think the reason I wanted to mention that was because knowing you and, and I was fortunate enough to meet you through Paula. Oh, I saw her last night. Okay. Yeah. And also, I know Zoe. Love her. Okay. So, um, of the three of you, right, and, and there's more. Right. I, I know that. Yeah. Okay. I think it's important that as you're launching your podcast, that that's an inch, that there in its sense is a very important thing about you. Well, and I'm a other... woman. <laughs> last well, night, I got asked if I was transgender. Really? Well, they were, <laughs> they was, were, they were fucked I up. I was like, what? Really? <laughs> like... <laughs> I want my money back. I kind of low, you know. I was like, "What?" You know. Anyway, I was. Like, that really happened last night, by the way, didn't it, Keith? That actually, that actually happened. But I think it's important for your audience to know um, a little bit about you. Well, just like you handled musicians. Yes. I like to support women. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, I think, really, what I would want to tell any young woman, if you or any young man, if you want to do something. Just do it, you know, and if you're good enough at it, cream rises to the top and the money will come, you know, and if you suck, you suck and figure it out, figure something else out to do before you're 40, you know what I mean? <laughs> How long have you been doing this? Uh, this year is my 37th year. Wow. I know. Wow. I know. Right. It's crazy. And, and, and out of the 37 years, you've obviously met a lot of people in this industry. You're my favorite person. Really? Uh, but, oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> I might say that to someone else, but yeah, That's right okay. now you're my favorite right person. Right now? Okay. Yeah. All right. But, but today, this moment, right? Oh, I love you. Okay, I love awesome. you too. And right. it's super cool things. That yeah. you, that, dude, DBA, this is this cool. Dude, we're using these lab mics that are on the Mars fucking rover. Dude, I'm so excited. And, and we're not in Mars. Dude, um, dude, there's the tiniest little boom with a tiny little windscreen. I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> 
explain. Not in a weird sexual way. I just think it's super cute, dude, which is why I want to get like a Barbie and a Ken. Well, you know, but they are IP58 rated, so they'll handle the, well, I, never mind. But oh, <laughs> well. <laughs> it's liquid proof, anyway. Yeah, um, here's to you. Mm-hmm. So I, we're, so, so, um, your advice to uh, uh, somebody that, man or woman, that wants to become a studio manager. What would be your what would be your one two three top three pieces of advice? I would say, first of all, um, for why you want to do it? No, I would say uh, <laughs> I would say it was really really important to understand the basics of recording. Okay. You know, and the and the tracking, overdubbing, and mixing process, at least in a fundamental way. Even mm-hmm. if you just buy like that recording techniques book and read mm-hmm. that. Because it, it helps so much to understand the language, of, mm-hmm. to be able to talk to engineers when you're booking time and when you're doing setups. You know, if someone says to you, oh, do you have a compressor in there? And you go, I don't know what a compressor is. You're going to look like an idiot. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's important to understand what we actually do in a recording studio, mm-hmm. you know, and then get some basic info about mice. But basically, that is number one. Mm-hmm. I think if you want to work within a studio environment as a manager or anybody in management, you need to understand that it is not about you. It is about the client and it's about service. It's, I always compare it to like a hotel because I truly believe that it's about that type of hospitality and setting a tone mm-hmm. and the type of service. You know, uh, you're coming in and you're paying good money for studio time. You know, what do you want? You know, you want blue M&Ms, whatever. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is you want and not having, obviously I have a healthy ego, you have a healthy ego, but in my job, it's not about me. Mm-hmm. So I think the most important thing is just learn the fundamentals of recording, make sure you have the right personality and the right temperament and that you're a gracious, hospitable person. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, managing the people that work for you is probably the hardest part of the job. It's yeah. kind of like herding cats. And I think that it's really important to be a fair-minded boss um, and to give people opportunities to grow and even make mistakes along mm-hmm. the way. But I also think it's important to be honest with people. If they're not going to make it, don't. I try to pride myself. My assistant, Keith, is amazing. And the two of us, we agree. Like, to let someone think that they're actually going to have a career when it's evident that they're not, Mm -hmm. that you're actually doing them a favor by cutting them loose and firing them, then prolonging the agony of their dream that's never going to happen. happen. And it's not that I, you know, it's not like, it's not like I'm, I'm not saying that to artists. Like, I don't have that, you know, knowledge. With Like, if someone's a singer and they want to be a singer, you know, keep doing it until you, you know, until something happens, you don't want to do it. But for people that work in a studio, I can tell probably, I would say, within about three months whether you're going to be able to do it or not. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a lifestyle, you know. You got to be healthy. Got to be able to do long hours. You know, think about it. Thank you, Beatles, for creating the 12-hour day as a mm-hmm. normal day. Whose mm-hmm. idea was that? Mm-hmm. People on cocaine, obviously. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, what other job, how many jobs is a 12- to 14-hour day a normal day? Not right. many. Right, true. You know? So true. So, um, but, yeah, uh, why not an engineer? Why do you, do you, do you record? Or you, no, no, I don't. No, no I'm, I'm not an audio engineer, but okay. I love audio engineers. I love learning. Me and too. Seeing. I think they're the unsung heroes of all the music Absolutely. That's ever, and we've ever heard. I love watching them do their magic. Mm. Um, and It looks really um, hard, right? When you look yeah. at a console and yeah. you look at the patch bay, you're like, 
oh shit, yeah. that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, and and in today's world, you know, things are constricted. So an engineer today doesn't have the kind of time that I might remember they used to have, where you right. could go into a studio, you could sit there, and you could set up mics. Okay. And, Computers and, were supposed to help us, right? Yeah, and okay. And, so this is my and, theory: the tape and, machine, you had twenty-four tracks, right? Right. And Pro Tools, you have I don't know. 150, whatever, how many tracks you can have, mm -hmm. right? So, all right, I guess what I'm trying to say is, when did it, when did it become okay that the performance would not be good mm -hmm. and that we would use all these tools to polish a turd, as it were, mm -hmm. instead of the person actually having to perform the track, sing mm -hmm. in tune, sing in key, so that it could be recorded? I don't know. I think, I think that options are not always good because mm -hmm. then mediocrity, you just get all that much more I don't know does it make sense like yeah if you, I think yeah what, like I don't know what I'm trying to say I'm well trying for to, your podcast trying to say a lot of people suck it's well, well but <laughs> what I'm what I'm hoping for that comes out of your podcast as you're talking to engineers um, is to hear some of the tricks and things that they do oh, yeah. and hear some of the um, where they came from, how they got to where they are today. Who they today. learned from, who they who copied they, from. Yeah, um, how they're doing their trade today, what right. are the things, because things have shifted so much, especially coming out of this COVID yeah, pandemic. I mean, you can, and also, too, yeah, like you said, you don't need a console anymore, and most sessions happen with a, you know, whatever DAW you're using, you know, I don't know. I mean, look at this, look how small this is. It's I fucking mean, awesome. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, actually, we could be, be doing this on a beach somewhere, right? So, let's go. Okay, yeah. let's go. No, We're done. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, That's but, a take. Yeah, but I think what'll I think, but uh, off the record or on the record, I think what'll happen. We're on is, the record right now. I think. Okay, I think what'll happen and what I am ho hoping happens. What I've always said to the staff, the assistants, when mm -hmm. they're working with engineers here, mm -hmm. I'm like, look at what the guy does, figure out what things he did that you thought were cool and made mm -hmm. things sound good, and then steal it mm -hmm. and incorporate that into your own personal style and be like, oh, I saw this guy use the mic in an unusual. Uh, you know, use a mic that I would never have thought of, you know, whatever it is, you know. Um, and, you know, and doing those types of innovations, I mean, because we stand on the shoulders of giants, you know, Tom Dowd, Jeff Emmerich, you know, these guys are flying by the seat of their pants, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, oh, hey, I'm going to put John Lennon on a rope swing, and I'm going to set a bunch of microphones up in a circle, and I'm going to push him. And I'm going to make true? him sing. Remember that song, Chai Guru Day? Yeah. And I'm going to make him sing while he's spinning in a circle. <laughs> this happened. Yeah, that really happened. Really? Oh, Jeff Everett told me it happened. Really? I believe him. Okay. But yeah, amazing stuff. So they were, you know, just, I like to see the winging aspect of it. I like to see people be experimental. I like to see people learn from the people they're working with. And I tell her, like I said, I said, you know, look at what he did. Figure out why he did it. And that's how you build your own style. You know, and I think that's what most of the guys are going to talk to will say. I think whether it's someone like, oh, I work for Bruce Swedine or, you know, you have Bob Clearmount or whatever. It's going to be some experience they had or many when they were learning and moving up mm -hmm. that shaped the way they do their thing, you know, their signature thing. So my question for you, just again, I know you're supposed to be asking me questions, but I'm so really interested. In, but I'm very interested to know about you. Um, when the day is done, you hear in the studio all kinds of music is going on in different places, different genres. Yeah. When you get home, what do you listen to? You know, I'm super. I'm pretty eclectic. Um, 
I don't know much about country, and I, I, I know that some. That sounds like a title to a song, by the way. <laughs> and I don't listen to a lot of hip-hop. I listen to a lot of, you know, the generation that I grew up in. So for me, it was like, I have three older brothers. So it was like Zeppelin, Beatles, Hendrix, stuff like that. But what I listen to a lot when I'm driving home, mm -hmm. I have dude, it's so bad. I have an a, a Echo Auto in my car. Okay. Right? It's like, looks like a black credit card. And right. it's, a, it's, a, it's an Alexa, you know, mm -hmm. it's like Alexa. So I'm in my car. I almost always listen to Coldplay. Really? Yeah. I love Coldplay. Are so you going to see them when they come on on tour? Come I've out? seen them before. I don't know. I, have tickets. I don't have tickets for this one. And But then I'll, if I want to listen to like Foo Fighters or Heavy Rock, or, I listen to weird shit. I listen to like orchestral maneuvers in the dark, mm -hmm. like Talk Talk and shit like that, like New Waves. I love The Pretenders. Uh, I love Roxy Music. What was yeah, the, I'm a huge Roxy Music So fan. what was the first concert you went to? First concert? Well, I'm from Charleston, South Carolina. Dude. Well, so the, okay. the first concert I went to was the Allman Brothers, and I was nine years old, and my brother's band opened. Okay. They were called Chariot, yeah. And I got to go backstage and probably shouldn't say this on the podcast, but I smoked joints and drank wine with Barry Oakley and Dwayne Allman. I was nine years old. That's a true story. You were smoking a joint was, at nine years yeah, old. Yeah, it was bad. And drinking? Yeah. Okay. It was bad. Right. And my brother my brother was sitting there. Wow. My brother was sitting there <laughs> and I reached down for the wine bottle, right? Right. Because I took a hit off the joint and mm -hmm. it burnt my throat and mm -hmm. I was coughing. And it was a bottle of Ripple, dude. Oh. And I grabbed Here, the Ripple. You need to have some more of this, was, But it was cold. No, I'm good. <laughs> okay. But it was cold, and I grabbed it. It was cold, too, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I took the bottle and drank right. out of the bottle directly, and my brother was like, she's nine. <laughs> and Barry Oakley goes, so southern and so awesome. He goes, she looks like she's handling just fine. <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> I'll never forget that as long as I live. And they were all giving me shit when I was going home later. But, I mean, we were, you know, we... Did some crazy stuff. I mean, I went and saw Led. We moved to Virginia Beach, and I went and saw Led Zeppelin when I was like ten. And they were all doing acid, and I wasn't. And we're at the con, uh, you know, we're at the concert. And I'm like, where'd they go? What the fuck's that? I'm like ten years old. You know what I mean? My brothers are like, you know, staring at the ceiling, you know, <laughs> dripping out. And uh, they opened with the immigrant song, mm. and Led Zeppelin three wasn't out yet. The mm -hmm. album hadn't come out yet. Mm -hmm. And they came out and. Robert Plant, I was just like, okay, I don't care where they are. I was like transfixed, you know, yeah, huge yeah. Robert Plant fan. Have okay, you I met him? him years later. Yeah, yeah, I met him years later, and I shook his hand, and he farted. That was weird. Well, we're gonna yeah. end our story with that. Okay, <laughs> so we uh, we're gonna That's end our podcast. Too. We're gonna end our podcast <laughs> with Robert Plant farting, um, and you'll hear that on his next record. Yeah, with, yeah, uh, yeah. But he was very gracious about it. He apologized. He was a gracious farter. He said, I and I said, what happens if I pull your finger? Because uh, I shook his hand, and he and, laughed, and he said, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and then? <laughs> Nothing. He was okay. Fine. He was fine. <laughs> well, I wish you the best of luck with this. <laughs> I wish you. <laughs> this, so fun. No, this will be great. You're going to be, be fantastic. Fun. We'll have fun. You're going to do fantastic. No, you're going to